0: Welcome to the Roamed Podcast. Roamed is a curated physicians network that supports concierge, DPC, and private practices so they can remain independent without being alone. We believe that the future success of primary care requires membership-based medicine practices to thrive. Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Pope, CEO of Roamed, and I'm glad you found us. I hope you enjoy this latest episode of the Roamed Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My my guest today on the Roamed Podcast is Sharice Fazari, Director of Pac- Practice Experience with Private Medical. Sharice, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me, Scott. Quite an honor.
0: I mean, I'm so excited to have you on. Uh, one of the 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 topic we're going to cover today is is one of the hot items that is, I think, such a differentiator in membership based medicine and. But we're going to talk about you know patient experience and, and why that matters and how to make sure that your your practice is doing everything to make that to make that right impression. And I couldn't think of a better guest to have on uh, than you, Shrice. Uh Tell our listeners a little bit Thank about you. yourself, a little bit about your your epic background in journey into healthcare.
1: Well, my epic background in luxury hospitality actually happened by accident. Um I ended up, you know, applying to a hotel back in the day, you know, in your 20s when you're not quite sure what you want to do. And um, and I happened to be fortunate enough to work for some of the best hotels, uh, the Four Seasons, Ritz-Carlton, and I spent most of my adult career as the chief concierge at the Mandarin Oriental in San Francisco, um, which is exactly where I met Dr. Schlain, the founder of our company.
0: Excellent. And so how long have you been with, with private medical then?
1: I have been with private medical for five years now. And uh, Dr. Shalene and I actually met uh, before private medical was a thought in his mind. And that was in 1998. So, um, but, and we remained in contact throughout the years.
0: I think there's probably another podcast episode in here on the, uh, the story of how you were served as some of the inspiration. Uh, to get Dr. Schlain on the path that he is, uh, so and he tells that story
1: the best. Excellent. <laughs> so it would have to be with him for sure.
0: We've just foreshadowed an excellent uh, podcast. I actually, have him coming on here in a couple of weeks, so he's uh, shortly uh, to follow, and we'll definitely get that story. So as we as we talk about patient experience, and again, I think one of the the biggest differentiators between a, a traditional fee for service primary care practice and moving into this this membership based model. Um, Talk to us a little bit about where where that patient experience really starts uh, at Private Medical from your perspective.
1: The patient experience begins actually before they're even a patient. The initial contact must be warm and genuine. You have to listen to them as individuals and their needs and really what's important to them. Um, At every step of the way, they're people before they're patients. And uh, making sure that, you know, you hear them and they feel heard is truly important. And that's, so that's even before they have decided to become members.
0: Yeah. It, it sounds like the, with your background in, in the hospitality industry, it's, it sounds like that you're really taking out of that experience um, to, to build this with, with your, your experience for private medical as well, right? Thinking about them as, as humans first.
1: Absolutely. And I remember, you know, even in hotels, as each guest came to the desk, you know, I had a very limited amount of time to really meet them, listen to what it is their needs were, and really assess what it is they're looking for. And it's something different for everyone. Everyone's an individual. Um, So it's really important to um, gather those important pieces of information that are important to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of listening involved right um, listening. and along with that listening i know that the, the way that you guys approach this this patient experience is uh, you guys have really been pioneers amongst pioneers uh in this and you invest a, a lot of time to ensure that this the patient experience is, is exceptional T- tell us a little bit more about some of those that uh, there's time investments that you guys make to to ensure this experience is off the charts
1: you know, it's, it's funny, um, when I was in luxury hospitality, we would be trained all the time on little, the subtle nuances of luxury. And, you know, as a team, we would think, here we go again, another training. And I can't imagine really being able to deliver the kind of service that we deliver without that training now. And so hindsight is twenty twenty. So I have been fortunate enough and excited to actually bring that over to private medical so, you know, the, the patient truly has to feel that they're cared for. So from the moment that they, they decide to become a patient, um, the onboarding process is critical. They, they meet with the doctor. They have to feel good with the doctor. It's a long-term relationship that we're looking for. And they have to really feel that their best interest is, is really what we're after. So again, every step of the way, we're looking into what affects them, what matters most to them. So from, from paperwork, from, you know, that has to be uh, seamless because this is, uh, this is an investment in their, in their healthcare. It's an investment in their life. So behind the scenes, you know, our business development team communicates, um, with our finance team to make sure that by the time they receive the paperwork, the dot, the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, and so on, so that they know that, okay, they have it together behind the scenes before it's really even presented to them. Yeah. So they take care of all the paperwork, and they then are contacted uh, by a member of their team, which is the patient care coordinator, to start the onboarding process, um, which that, of course, has to be seamless as well.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like you've got a a really multidisciplinary team that collectively invests a lot of time to make sure that I like to use, and I'm not sure if you kind of the duck analogy of the, the duck who's swimming across the, the the lake. And if you look above the surface, it just looks calm, smooth, collected, and graceful. But if you look underneath the water, I mean, it's ugly as all get out. I mean, there's you know paddling and swatting and it just it doesn't look graceful at all. But you, you're it sounds like that time that you invest in those multidisciplinary rounds is to create that smooth duck lighting across the water with your team a lot of different legs paddling underneath tell, tell us a little bit about some of the multidisciplinary approach that you you bring to that
1: that's the perfect analogy um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's it's everything from you know, the the doctor, the nurse, the patient care coordinator, because each member has a team working, you know, on their behalf. Um, and then, of course, there is behind the scenes, you know, all the admin work and so on. So really, it's, I call it, you know, all the cartwheels and the somersaults that we do behind the scenes, so that by the time we actually show up, Um, It's really gift wrapped nicely and it's presented to them on a silver platter, no matter how difficult it was to, for example, obtain an appointment or no matter how difficult it was to, you know, gather some visit records that we keep all of uh, together on their behalf. um, No matter how difficult it was to obtain a signature on a contract to even get the onboarding paperwork started, um, all of that goes behind the scenes before it even um, is presented to the patient. And, you know, I always share with the team members, we don't share how difficult that task was because really it doesn't matter. Their job really is uh, they sign and they show up right. and that's that's their job.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's outstanding. You had a couple um, quotes there, you know, the, the patient is making an investment in their lives. Um, and with that, you had previously talked to me a little bit about, um, buyer's remorse can, can be a real thing and, um, unpack that a little bit, because I think when when I think about somebody spending that kind of, you know, that kind of money in an environment where they're otherwise not familiar with, you know, coming out of pocket to take, you know, to pay for a primary care doc, how do you guys handle that buyer's remorse? And is it, is it kind of fixed through that onboarding process or how do you get out in front of some of that stuff?
1: Well, that's why all of our homework before it gets in front of the patient is important because our job is to not even let buyer's remorse surface. And, you know, they they truly have to feel confident that their best outcome is in our best interest. Yeah. And so just like any investment, you know, you're excited about it and you, you know, they sign on the dotted line. And they they come in and they are assessing us if the experience is truly is what truly is what we say it's going to be. And if it isn't, that's when they're thinking, huh, did I make the right decision? And if we are sensing that that pause or that even the, the little bit of doubt in them, then it's our job at that point in time to really swoop in. And hopefully, you know, try to minimize any further progress of that buyer's remorse.
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I know I love that. Um, so, a, a story I don't know that I've had the chance to to share with you, but it kind of take me into my my next round of a of, of couple questions. Um, a number of years ago, I got to uh, sit in on a presentation uh, by Horst Schultz, um, and for the listeners who aren't familiar, uh, was the, the founder of Ritz Carlton. And when Marriott came in, he um, shortly left and had a non-compete. So he couldn't start a, a, a luxury hotel chain. And what he, um, he he tells the story, and I'm not going to do the accent because I'll totally butcher it, but in his accent that only he can do, um, he said he went home and sat on the couch for a week. And his wife said, you've got to get out of here. <laughs> you've got to get up and go. And he said, so I, he went out and he decided he was going to start he couldn't start a, a luxury hotel chain because it was written right in his non-compete. So he decided to start an ultra luxury hotel chain. <laughs> and basically what he, the point that he I'm getting to was, you know, back in the day, early days of Ritz Carlton, luxury used to be what was hanging on the walls, the carpets that were on the floor, the furniture. And I love that you and I are kind of halfway through this, this episode here. And we've not mentioned anything about the decor of that patient experience, right? It's about how you treat them as as human beings, um, and, and how you approach them, and really making them feel like they're they're cared for. Um, but that you know, the the notion that this uh, luxury is only about what your waiting room looks like, I think, is a, a total fallacy. And you you guys have kind of articulated that thus far. Um, but that that being said, let's talk a little bit about that environment in the, in the office itself. You guys, unlike many of the other practices, you have multiple locations actually now in multiple time zones uh, with Mm -hmm. opening your New York office a little more than a year ago now. Um, Talk to us about how do you, you know, the physical aspects of patient experience.
1: Well, the key to luxury at every step is consistency. It's brand consistency and consistency is The look and the feel of each office, without being cookie cutter, so each location has to really be representative of you know their city of where they're located, um, with a feeling of subtle elegance without being stuffy, and you know we work closely with our with our designer to ensure that it reflects who we are as a brand. So everything has a subtle touch of quality. Um, When it is safe to travel again and to go into offices for office visits, um, you know, people will experience a similar look and feel every time they walk into an office, once again, without being cookie cutter. Um, We're unique. Um, You walk into our office, you would never know it's a doctor's office because we want people to feel comfortable So, but attention to detail is paid there as well. Everything from what's located in the exam rooms, how it's placed. Um, It's it's very thoughtful and well thought out. For example, in a pediatric exam room. I know as a child, you know, I would fear going to the doctor. Same thing with my kids. They would, you know, you go in there with eyes wide open, not knowing what to expect, and oh my goodness, it's going to be a shot today. So you know, even the thought of how the um, you know the vaccines are placed on the tray before they're administered so that they don't scare the child is is thought of. So it's that kind of attention to detail that that really makes a difference. Um, but that's that's just the physical um, importance of consistency. the yeah. you know be, behind that once again, is really how we deliver that kind of service. Um, when I was in hotels, I used to say to my team, you know, yes, we have a beautiful hotel, but you know people can place people pay a lot of money to to place their head and on the pillow and sleep here. And they can do that at a lot of places. We are what makes the difference. Their experience with us is what makes the difference. The connection with the team is what makes the difference. And it's really us seeing them as individuals. That's what makes them confident in the thought that they have made the right decision to be
0: here with us. One of the recurring themes that we keep coming back to, and and you've kind of touched on it there without using the word, is this idea of relationship-based medicine right? And that you actually have a relationship. Elaborate on that a little bit more. And maybe because um, <clears throat> it, the relationship with the physician is important, but you have a relationship with a multitude of different stakeholders from your multidisciplinary approach. Talk, talk to me more about that relationship side of this.
1: Well, it's funny that you say that, Scott, because when I speak to prospective patients, that is my focus. I tell them really the focus behind who we are is our focus on relationships and the importance to us. And the the obvious is, you know, the, the doctor with the patient, but it's way well beyond that. It is um, the relationship with the team. Again, doctor, nurse, patient care coordinator, so how they coordinate and their relationship that they are working so hard on behalf of the patient behind the scenes before they even, be, are in front of the patient, that the relationship that we have with our vendors, um, the, the expert network that we reach out to on behalf of our on behalf of our patients. You know, we have to nurture those relationships because there will come a day that we will reach out on behalf of our members. And um, we want that to be reciprocal as well. Uh, it's it's the relationship that we have with the assistants that are in each office that make the magic happen on behalf of our on behalf of our members, you know, helping us uh, possibly secure an appointment sooner than one normally might um, because of an urgent situation. I mean, we actually, you know, every every holiday season, we uh, were pretty extensive in our in our thanks to those to those vendors, because they're the ones who make it happen, um, but it's also the relationship again with the clinical team. So there's a there's a whole team behind the scenes that really kind of makes it happen and makes it easy uh, for operations to to do what they need to do. It's our it's our tech team, it's our IT team, it's our finance team, it's business development, um, everybody. So the relationships are crucial. Um, every step of the way behind the scenes in front of the scenes outside the network. And, um, you know, I always think you nurture those or nurture you.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. I, lo- I love that. I love that. It, you know, the, one, one last thing that I want to bring up and you've, you've kind of touched on it here a little bit is I know the, <clears throat> with, with the pandemic, we often don't have as much now FaceTime with our our patients as we would like. Talk to me about some of the phone etiquette um, and that I know you guys have have approached that in a a very unique way relative to how other practices have done it. Um, Share with our listeners a little bit, what you guys have done with, with phone etiquette.
1: Well, the phone etiquette, I mean, it starts from the basic greeting on, on how they answer the phone. And, you know, this goes back to luxury hospitality where, you know, it's, it's the greeting, it's the, you know, identifying who you are so that they know who they're talking to, you know, how may I assist you? Um, again, without sounding robotic and, um, you know, it's, it's avoiding slang. It is please allow me to connect you instead of saying, hold on a minute, let me get her. It is, it is <laughs> avoiding, it's avoiding, you know, verbiage like you guys and avoiding, you know, all right, hold on a minute. It's, it's really, once again, those are the subtle nuances of luxury that, that make a difference, that confirm the fact for our members that they have made the right decision, because it's elegant without being stuffy. yeah. And that holds true, quite honestly, in our written communication, too. It is paying attention to verbiage, um, you know, punctuation, and grammar, and full sentences and making sure that your emails are comprehensive as as opposed to email tennis, because now, because we are all so virtual, it's very easy to quickly type your answer, hit send. And I guarantee you, if you do that, chances are you have not answered all of the questions that were on their mind. So if you take the time to, so I always encourage the the teams, the doctor, nurse, the, the patient care coordinators, to really communicate in their their huddles, that's their daily meeting, to communicate in their huddles what needs to be communicated to the patient prior to even hitting send, so that there are not three people communicating using three different modes of communication, all asking kind of sort of the same question. And then the, the patient thinking, are they not communicating? you know, about me on my behalf before reaching out to me. Those are the little things that make a big difference.
0: Teresa, you're uh, absolutely a force to be reckoned with. Thank you so much for being a guest with us today. Any, you know, so many of our practices um, are not quite as uh, far advanced as you are. Um, many of them are, you know, small, you know, single physician practice, one location. What, what one piece of, of kind of advice would you give them as it relates to patient experience as a as a parting thought,
1: really, that they are people before their patients, and so to always take that into consideration and and see them as individuals and what's important to them, because really they are putting in your hands their life, and that that's a gift, and they should be honored that that you know they are being chosen um, to do that and and to do well by, their, by that decision for their patients.
0: Excellent. Sharice Fazari, Director of Practice Experience uh, with Private Medical. Thank you so much uh, for being an outstanding guest with us today.
1: Thank you so much, Scott. It was a pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Roan podcast. If you enjoyed your time here, be sure to subscribe. If you have a story you would like to share on the Roan podcast, I encourage you to reach out. After all, we are stronger together. Now, I invite you to take a few for you and enjoy three minutes of relaxing audio. Be well, my friends.